Chapter twenty five of Doctor Thorne by Anthony Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nick Whitley, Purley, United Kingdom. Chapter twenty five. Sir Roger dies. That night the doctor stayed at Boxall Hill, and the next night, so that it became a customary thing for him to sleep there during the latter part of Sir Roger's illness. He returned home daily to Greshamsbury, for he had his patients there, to whom he was as necessary as to Sir Roger, the foremost of whom was Lady Arabella. He had therefore no slight work on his hands, seeing that his nights were by no means wholly devoted to rest. Mr. Rearerchild had not been much wrong as to the remaining space of life which he had allotted to the dying man once or twice dr thorne had thought that the great original strength of his patient would have enabled him to fight against death for a somewhat longer period but sir roger would give himself no chance whenever he was strong enough to have a will of his own he insisted on having his very medicine mixed with brandy and in the hours of the doctor's absence he was too often successful in his attempts it does not much matter dr thorne had said to lady scatcherd do what you can to keep down the quantity but do not irritate him by refusing to obey it does not much signify now so lady scatcherd still administered the alcohol and he from day to day invented little schemes for increasing the amount over which he chuckled with ghastly laughter two or three times during these days sir roger essayed to speak seriously to his son but louis always frustrated him he either got out of the room on some excuse or made his mother interfere on the score that so much talking would be bad for his father he already knew with tolerable accuracy what was the purport of his father's will and by no means approved of it but as he could not now hope to induce his father to alter it so as to make it more favourable to himself he conceived that no conversation on matters of business could be of use to him louis said sir roger one afternoon to his son louis i have not done by you as i ought to have done i know that now nonsense governor never mind about that now i shall do well enough i dare say besides it isn't too late you can make it twenty-three years instead of twenty-five if you like it i do not mean as to money louis there are things besides money which a father ought to look to now father don't fret yourself i'm all right you may be sure of that louis it's that accursed brandy it's that that i'm afraid of you see me here my boy how i'm lying here now don't you be annoying yourself governor i'm all right quite right and as for you why you'll be up and about yourself in another month or so i shall never be off this bed my boy till i'm carried into my coffin on those chairs there but i'm not thinking of myself louis but you 
think what you may have before you if you can't avoid that accursed bottle i'm all right governor right as a trivet it's very little i take except at an odd time or so oh louis louis come father cheer up this sort of thing isn't the thing for you at all i wonder where mother is she ought to be here with the broth just let me go and i'll see for her the father understood it all he saw that it was now much beyond his faded powers to touch the heart or conscience of such a youth as his son had become what now could he do for his boy except die what else what other benefit did his son require of him but to die to die so that his means of dissipation might be unbounded he let go the unresisting hand which he held and as the young man crept out of the room he turned his face to the wall he turned his face to the wall and held bitter commune with his own heart to what had he brought himself to what had he brought his son oh how happy would it have been for him could he have remained all his days a working stonemason in barchester how happy could he have died as such years ago such tears as those which wet that pillow are the bitterest which human eyes can shed but while they were dropping the memoir of his life was in quick course of preparation it was indeed nearly completed with considerable detail he had lingered on four days longer than might have been expected and the author had thus had more than usual time for the work in these days a man is nobody unless his biography is kept so far posted up that it may be ready for the national breakfast table on the morning after his demise when it chances that the dead hero is one who was taken in his prime of life of whose departure from among us the most far-seeing biographical scribe can have no prophetic inkling this must be difficult of great men full of years who were ripe for the sickle who in the course of nature must soon fall it is of course comparatively easy for an active compiler to have his complete memoir ready in his desk but in order that the idea of omnipresent and omniscient information may be kept up the young must be chronicled as quickly as the old in some cases this task must one would say be difficult nevertheless it is done the memoir of sir roger scatcherd was progressing favourably in this it was told how fortunate had been his life how in his case industry and genius combined had triumphed over the difficulties which humble birth and deficient education had thrown in his way how he had made a name among england's great men how the queen had delighted to honour him and nobles had been proud to have him for a guest at their mansions then followed a list of all the great works which he had achieved of the railroads canals docks harbours jails and hospitals which he had constructed his name was held up as an example to the labouring classes of his countrymen and he was pointed at as one who had lived and died happy 
ever happy said the biographer because ever industrious and so a great moral question was inculcated a short paragraph was devoted to his appearance in parliament and unfortunate mr romer was again held up for disgrace for the thirtieth time as having been the means of depriving our legislative councils of the great assistance of sir roger's experience sir roger said the biographer in his concluding passage was possessed of an iron frame but even iron will yield to the repeated blows of the hammer in the latter years of his life he was known to overtask himself and at length the body gave way though the mind remained firm to the last the subject of this memoir was only fifty-nine when he was taken from us and thus sir roger's life was written while the tears were yet falling on his pillow at boxall hill it was a pity that a proof-sheet could not have been sent to him no man was vainer of his reputation and it would have greatly gratified him to know that posterity was about to speak of him in such terms to speak of him with a voice that would be audible for twenty-four hours sir roger made no further attempt to give counsel to his son it was too evidently useless the old dying lion felt that the lion's power had already passed from him and that he was helpless in the hands of the young cub who was so soon to inherit the wealth of the forest but dr thorne was more kind to him he had something yet to say as to his worldly hopes and worldly cares and his old friend did not turn a deaf ear to him it was during the night that sir roger was most anxious to talk and most capable of talking he would lie through the day in a state half comatose but towards evening he would rouse himself and by midnight he would be full of fitful energy one night as he lay wakeful and full of thought he thus poured forth his whole heart to dr thorne thorne said he i told you about my will you know yes said the other and i have blamed myself greatly that i have not again urged you to alter it your illness came too suddenly scatcherd and then i was averse to speak of it why should i alter it it is a good will as good as i can make not but that i have altered it since i spoke to you i did it that day after you left me have you definitely named your heir in default of louis no that is yes i had done that before i have said mary's eldest child i have not altered that but scatcherd you must alter it must well then i won't but i'll tell you what i have done i have added a postscript a codicil they call it saying that you and you only know who is her eldest child winterbones and jack martin have witnessed that dr thorne was going to explain how very injudicious such an arrangement appeared to be but sir roger would not listen to him it was not about that that he wished to speak to him 
to him it was matter of but minor interest who might inherit his money if his son should die early his care was solely for his son's welfare at twenty-five the heir might make his own will might bequeath all this wealth according to his own fancy sir roger would not bring himself to believe that his son could follow him to the grave in so short a time never mind that doctor now but about louis you will be his guardian you know not his guardian he is more than of age ah but doctor you will be his guardian the property will not be his till he be twenty-five you will not desert him i will not desert him but i doubt whether i can do much for him what can i do scatcherd use the power that a strong man has over a weak one use the power that my will will give you do for him as you would for a son of your own if you saw him going in bad courses do as a friend should do for a friend that is dead and gone i would do so for you doctor if our places were changed what i can do that i will do said thorn solemnly taking as he spoke the contractor's hand in his own with a tight grasp i know you will i know you will oh doctor may you never feel as i do now may you on your deathbed have no dread as i have as to the fate of those you will leave behind you dr thorne felt that he could not say much in answer to this the future fate of louis scatcherd was he could not but own to himself greatly to be dreaded what good what happiness could be presaged for such a one as he was what comfort could he offer to the father and then he was called on to compare as it were the prospects of this unfortunate with those of his own darling to contrast all that was murky foul and disheartening with all that was perfect for to him she was all but perfect to liken louis scatcherd to the angel who brightened his own hearthstone how could he answer to such an appeal he said nothing but merely tightened his grasp of the other's hand to signify that he would do as best he could all that was asked of him sir roger looked up sadly into the doctor's face as though expecting some word of consolation there was no comfort no consolation to come to him for three or four years he must greatly depend upon you continued sir roger i will do what i can said the doctor what i can do i will do but he is not a child scatcherd at his age he must stand or fall mainly by his own conduct the best thing for him will be to marry exactly that's just it thorn i was coming to that if he would marry i think he would do well yet for all that has come and gone if he married of course you would let him have the command of his own income i will be governed entirely by your wishes 
under any circumstances his income will as i understand be quite sufficient for him married or single ah but thorn i should like to think he should shine with the best of them for what have i made the money if not for that now if he marries decently that is some woman you know that can assist him in the world let him have what he wants it is not to save the money that i put it into your hands no scatcherd not to save the money but to save him i think that while you are yet with him you should advise him to marry he does not care a straw for what i advise not one straw why should he how can i tell him to be sober when i have been a beast all my life myself how can i advise him that's where it is it is that that now kills me advise why when i speak to him he treats me like a child he fears that you are too weak you know he thinks that you should not be allowed to talk nonsense he knows better you know better too weak what signifies would i not give all that i have of strength at one blow if i could open his eyes to see as i see but for one minute and the sick man raised himself up in his bed as though he were actually going to expend all that remained to him of vigour in the energy of a moment gently scatcherd gently he will listen to you yet but do not be so unruly thorn you see that bottle there give me half a glass of brandy the doctor turned round in his chair but he hesitated in doing as he was desired do as i ask you doctor it can do no harm now you know that well enough why torture me now no i will not torture you but you will have water with it water no the brandy by itself i tell you i cannot speak without it what's the use of canting now you know it can make no difference sir roger was right it could make no difference and dr thorne gave him the half glass of brandy ah well you've a stingy hand doctor confounded stingy you don't measure your medicines out in such light doses you will be wanting more before morning you know before morning indeed i shall a pint or so before that i remember the time doctor when i have drunk to my own cheek above two quarts between dinner and breakfast ay and worked all the day after it you have been a wonderful man scatcherd very wonderful ay wonderful well never mind it's over now but what was i saying about louis doctor you'll not desert him certainly not he's not strong i know that how should he be strong living as he has done not that it seemed to hurt me when i was his age you had the advantage of hard work that's it sometimes i wish that louis had not a shilling in the world that he had to trudge about with an apron round his waist as i did but it's too late now to think of that if he would only marry doctor 
dr thorne again expressed an opinion that no step would be so likely to reform the habits of the young heir as marriage and repeated his advice to the father to implore his son to take a wife i'll tell you what thorne said he and then after a pause he went on i have not half told you as yet what is on my mind and i am nearly afraid to tell it though indeed i don't know why i should be i never knew you afraid of anything yet said the doctor smiling gently well then i'll not end by turning coward now doctor tell the truth to me what do you expect me to do for that girl of yours that we were talking of mary's child there was a pause for a moment for thorne was slow to answer him you would not let me see her you know though she is my niece as truly as she is yours nothing at last said the doctor slowly i expect nothing i would not let you see her and therefore i expect nothing she will have it all if poor louis should die said sir roger if you intend it so you should put her name into the will said the other not that i ask you or wish you to do so mary thank god can do without wealth thorne on one condition i will put her name into it i will alter it all on one condition let the two cousins be man and wife let louis marry poor mary's child the proposition for a moment took away the doctor's breath and he was unable to answer not for all the wealth of india would he have given up his lamb to that young wolf even though he had had the power to do so but that lamb lamb though she was had as he well knew a will of her own on such a matter what alliance could be more impossible thought he to himself than one between mary thorne and louis scatcherd i will alter it all if you will give me your hand upon it that you will do your best to bring about this marriage everything shall be his on the day he marries her and should he die unmarried it shall all then be hers by name say the word thorne and she shall come here at once i shall yet have time to see her but dr thorne did not say the word just at the moment he said nothing but he slowly shook his head why not thorne my friend it is impossible why impossible her hand is not mine to dispose of nor is her heart then let her come over herself what scatcherd that the son might make love to her while the father is so dangerously ill bid her come to look for a rich husband that would not be seemly would it no not for that let her come merely that i may see her that we may all know her i will leave the matter then in your hands if you will promise me to do your best but my friend in this matter i cannot do my best i can do nothing 
and indeed i may say at once that it is altogether out of the question i know what do you know said the baronet turning on him almost angrily what can you know to make you say that it is impossible is she a pearl of such price that a man may not win her she is a pearl of great price believe me doctor money goes far in winning such pearls perhaps so i know little about it but this i do know that money will not win her let us talk of something else believe me it is useless for us to think of this yes if you set your face against it obstinately you must think very poorly of louis if you suppose that no girl can fancy him i have not said so scatcherd to have the spending of ten thousand a year and be a baronet's lady why doctor what is it you expect for this girl not much indeed not much a quiet heart and a quiet home not much more thorne if you will be ruled by me in this she shall be the most topping woman in this county my friend my friend why thus grieve me why should you thus harass yourself i tell you it is impossible they have never seen each other they have nothing and can have nothing in common their tastes and wishes and pursuits are different besides scatcherd marriages never answer that are so made believe me it is impossible the contractor threw himself back on his bed and lay for some ten minutes perfectly quiet so much so that the doctor began to think that he was sleeping so thinking and wearied by the watching dr thorne was beginning to creep quietly from the room when his companion again roused himself almost with vehemence you won't do this thing for me then said he do it it is not for you or me to do such things as that such things must be left to those concerned themselves you will not even help me not in this thing sir roger then by dash she shall not under any circumstances ever have a shilling of mine give me some of that stuff there and he again pointed to the brandy-bottle which stood ever within his sight the doctor poured out and handed to him another small modicum of spirit nonsense man fill the glass i'll stand no nonsense now i'll be master in my own house to the last give it here i tell you ten thousand devils are tearing me within you you could have comforted me but you would not fill the glass i tell you i should be killing you were i to do it killing me killing me you are always talking of killing me do you suppose that i am afraid to die do not i know how soon it is coming give me the brandy i say or i will be out across the room to fetch it no scatcherd i cannot give it to you not while i am here do you remember how you were engaged this morning he had that morning taken the sacrament from the parish clergyman 
you would not wish to make me guilty of murder would you nonsense you are talking nonsense habit is second nature i tell you i shall sink without it why you know i always get it directly your back is turned come i will not be bullied in my own house give me that bottle i say and sir roger essayed vainly enough to raise himself from the bed stop scatcherd i will give it you i will help you it may be that habit is second nature sir roger in his determined energy had swallowed without thinking of it the small quantity which the doctor had before poured out for him and still held the empty glass within his hand this the doctor now took and filled nearly to the brim come thorne a bumper a bumper for this once whatever the drink it a bumper must be you stingy fellow i would not treat you so well well it's as full as you can hold it scatcherd try me try me my hand is a rock at least at holding liquor and then he drained the contents of the glass which were sufficient in quantity to have taken away the breath from any ordinary man ah i'm better now but thorn i do love a full glass <laughs> there was something frightful almost sickening in the peculiar hoarse guttural tone of his voice the sounds came from him as though steeped in brandy and told all too plainly the havoc which the alcohol had made there was a fire too about his eyes which contrasted with his sunken cheeks his hanging jaw unshorn beard and haggard face were terrible to look at his hands and arms were hot and clammy but so thin and wasted of his lower limbs the lost use had not returned to him so that in all his efforts at vehemence he was controlled by his own want of vitality when he supported himself half sitting against the pillows he was in a continual tremor and yet as he boasted he could still lift his glass steadily to his mouth such now was the hero of whom that ready compiler of memoirs had just finished his correct and succinct account after he had had his brandy he sat glaring a while at vacancy as though he was dead to all around him and was thinking 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 of things in the infinite distance of the past shall i go now said the doctor and send lady scatcherd to you wait a while doctor just one minute longer so you will do nothing for louis then i will do everything for him that i can do ah yes everything but the one thing that will save him well i will not ask you again but remember thorne i shall alter my will to-morrow do so by all means you may well alter it for the better if i may advise you you will have down your own business attorney from london if you will let me send he will be here before to-morrow night thank you for nothing thorn i can manage that matter myself now leave me but remember you have ruined that girl's fortune 
the doctor did leave him and went not altogether happy to his room he could not but confess to himself that he had despite himself as it were fed himself with hope that mary's future might be made more secure ay and brighter too by some small unheeded fraction broken off from the huge mass of her uncle's wealth such hope if it had amounted to hope was now all gone but this was not all nor was this the worst of it that he had done right in utterly repudiating all idea of a marriage between mary and her cousin of that he was certain enough that no earthly consideration would have induced mary to plight her troth to such a man that with him was as certain as doom but how far had he done right in keeping her from the sight of her uncle how could he justify it to himself if he had thus robbed her of her inheritance seeing that he had done so from a selfish fear lest she who was now all his own should be known to the world as belonging to others rather than to him he had taken upon him on her behalf to reject wealth as valueless and yet he had no sooner done so than he began to consume his hours with reflecting how great to her would be the value of wealth and thus when sir roger told him as he left the room that he had ruined mary's fortune he was hardly able to bear the taunt with equanimity on the next morning after paying his professional visit to his patient and satisfying himself that the end was now drawing near with steps terribly quickened he went down to greshamsbury how long is this to last uncle said his niece with sad voice as he again prepared to return to boxall hill not long mary do not begrudge him a few more hours of life no i do not uncle i will say nothing more about it is his son with him and then perversely enough she persisted in asking numerous questions about louis scatcherd is he likely to marry uncle i hope so my dear will he be so very rich yes ultimately he will be very rich he will be a baronet will he not yes my dear what is he like uncle like i never know what a young man is like he is like a man with red hair uncle you are the worst hand in describing i ever knew if i'd seen him for five minutes i'd be bound to make a portrait of him and you if you were describing a dog you'd only say what colour his hair was well he's a little man exactly just as i should say that mrs umbleby had a red-haired little dog i wish i had known these scatcherds uncle i do so admire people that can push themselves in the world i wish i had known sir roger you will never know him now mary i suppose not i am so sorry for him is lady scatcherd nice she is an excellent woman i hope i may know her some day you are so much there now uncle i wonder whether you ever mention me to them if you do tell her from me how much i grieve for her 
that same night dr thorne again found himself alone with sir roger the sick man was much more tranquil and apparently more at ease than he had been on the preceding night he said nothing about his will and not a word about mary thorne but the doctor knew that winterbones and a notary's clerk from barchester had been in the bedroom a great part of the day and as he knew also that the great man of business was accustomed to do his most important work by the hands of such tools as these he did not doubt but that the will had been altered and remodelled indeed he thought it more than probable that when it was opened it would be found to be wholly different in its provisions from that which sir roger had already described louis is clever enough he said sharp enough i mean he won't squander the property he has good natural abilities said the doctor excellent excellent said the father he may do well very well if he can only be kept from this and sir roger held up the empty wine-glass which stood by his bedside what a life he may have before him and to throw it away for this and as he spoke he took the glass and tossed it across the room oh doctor would that it were all to begin again we all wish that i dare say scatcherd no you don't wish it you ain't worth a shilling and yet you'll regret nothing i am worth half a million in one way or the other and i regret everything 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 you should not think in that way scatcherd you need not think so yesterday you told mr clerk that you were comfortable in your mind mr clerk was the clergyman who had visited him of course i did what else could i say when he asked me it wouldn't have been civil to have told him that his time and words were all thrown away but thorn believe me when a man's heart is sad 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 to the core a few words from a parson at the last moment will never make it all right may he have mercy on you my friend if you will think of him and look to him he will have mercy on you well i will try doctor but would that it were all to do again you'll see to the old woman for my sake won't you what lady scatcherd lady devil if anything angers me now it is that ladyship her to be my lady why when i came out of jail that time the poor creature had hardly a shoe to her foot but it wasn't her fault thorne it was none of her doing she never asked for such nonsense she has been an excellent wife scatcherd and what is more she is an excellent woman she is and ever will be one of my dearest friends thank ye doctor thank ye yes she has been a good wife better for a poor man than a rich one but then that was what she was born to you won't let her be knocked about by them will you thorne dr thorne again assured him that as long as he lived lady scatcherd should never want one true friend in making this promise however he managed to drop all allusion to the obnoxious title you'll be with him as much as possible won't you again asked the baronet after lying quite silent for a quarter of an hour with whom 
said the doctor, who was then all but asleep. "'With my poor boy, with Louis.' "'If he will let me, I will,' said the doctor. "'And, doctor, when you see a glass at his mouth, dash it down, thrust it down, though you thrust out the teeth with it. When you see that, Thorn, tell him of his father. Tell him what his father might have been, but for that. Tell him how his father died like a beast, because he could not keep himself from drink.' These, reader, were the last words spoken by Sir Roger Scatcherd. As he uttered them, he rose up in bed with the same vehemence which he had shown on the former evening, but in the very act of doing so he was again struck by paralysis, and before nine on the following morning all was over. "'Oh, my man, my own, own man!' exclaimed the widow, remembering in the paroxysm of her grief nothing but the loves of their early days the best the brightest the cleverest of them all some weeks after this sir roger was buried with much pomp and ceremony within the precincts of barchester cathedral and a monument was put up to him soon after in which he was portrayed as smoothing a block of granite with a mallet and chisel while his eagle eye, disdaining such humble work, was fixed upon some intricate mathematical instrument above him. Could Sir Roger have seen it himself, he would probably have declared that no workman was ever worth his salt who looked one way while he rode another. Immediately after the funeral the will was opened, and Dr. Thorne discovered that the clauses of it were exactly identical with those which his friend had described to him some months back. Nothing had been altered, nor had the document been unfolded, since that strange codicil was added, in which it was declared that Dr. Thorne knew, and only Dr. Thorne, who was the eldest child of the testator's only sister. At the same time, however, a joint executor with Dr. Thorne had been named, one Mr. Stock, a man of railway fame, and Dr. Thorne himself was made a legatee to the humble extent of a thousand pounds. A life income of a thousand pounds a year was left to Lady Scatcherd. End of chapter 25 Recording by Nick Whitley, Purley, United Kingdom